This is Law in the Time of COVID-19. I'm Arsalan Ahmed, a summer student at McCarthy Tetrault. This week, we have our Student Takeover podcast, where students share their experience of going through an online curriculum and an online virtual work summer in the midst of a pandemic. Law in the Time of COVID-19 is brought to you by McCarthy Tetrault. We're exploring the law and policy of pandemic response and looking at how governments, organizations, and individuals are managing the impact and meeting the moment. This episode explores a topic of interest to everyone, not just lawyers. It contains neither legal information nor legal advice. Here is episode 23, Student Takeover in the Time of COVID. To help us think through the implications of this pandemic and the student experience, I spoke with three of my McCarthy Tetrault colleagues, John Adeski from the Montreal office, Shailaja Nadaraja from the Toronto office, who is also a student at Queen's University, and Rebecca Ferguson, a student in the Toronto office, who is also a law student at the University of Ottawa. We spoke on Tuesday, August 18th. Now, the first segment of our podcast today is going to try and learn a bit more about the student experience this past winter semester and try to figure out more about their transition into a virtual classroom. Now, as many of you know, the COVID pandemic brought a number of changes to law classrooms all across the country. So we'll turn to one of our MT students, Shailaja, to tell us about her experience at Queen's University. Thanks, Arslan. So yeah, I think a lot of us had a very interesting transition. We had classes for the last three weeks that were transitioned to online. So I I found that I had a really wide variety of classroom experiences. One of my classes was a seminar class for for my clinic, actually. And it was only 11 students. So when we transitioned to a Zoom classroom, it seemed really natural. I mean, it was obviously weird to kind of see people online, but you still got that same engagement, that same kind of dynamic that you get in a really small seminar class. And I didn't feel like there was actually that much change with that one class in specific. Another class that I had was over a hundred person class, and we also transitioned to Zoom. And that one I found to be very different from the first class that I initially mentioned. I found that it was really hard to engage with people in the class because I mean, on Zoom, you can't even see a hundred people on one screen. So you're constantly flipping back and forth to see who's talking. And then I also found that our professor, I mean, it was very generous of, of her to say that the last part of the content would not be examinable because she understood that the circumstances made it difficult for people to, you know, really be concentrating on school. So with that, I mean, it was it was very, it was very respectful, I think, of the students and of, of our circumstances. But I found that people weren't engaged with the material. I mean, I, for one, didn't even do my readings at that point. And so you have people that are less engaged with the content and less engaged with the class in itself. So that really, really changed the dynamic in that class. And I'm hoping that moving forward in the fall, that'll be really different. And then a couple of other classes that I had were completely different and we we basically just got our content sent to us and there was no more engagement in class so i had a wide variety of experiences i think with the transition to the online classroom now specific to quebec i'd also like to hear more about john's experience john you recently graduated from mcgill university's faculty of law 
and you were a bar student during the midst of the pandemic. Can you tell us more for our Canadian listeners? What is bar school and what was your experience like? Yeah, certainly, Arsalan. So effectively, in Quebec, when you graduate from law school, in order to be called to the bar, like in the rest of Canada, you have to write a bar exam. But unlike other provinces, Quebec has a mandatory four-month, what we call a formation professionnelle, professional uh, formation training, which essentially is, is a, a separate academic experience. It's, uh, it's given by École du Barreau, the Quebec Bar School. And it's a, it's an immersive, intensive experience where they really teach you the really key elements in a practical way, such that you'll succeed, obviously, with your, your bar exam eventually, but also in the practice. So very intense experience, but a very rewarding experience. And there must have been a lot of uncertainty during that March period, right when the pandemic sort of hit its prime. How did the bar school respond to that? Was there a great deal of uncertainty during that time? Yeah, definitely. Lots of lots of uncertainty. So essentially, um, and I'll never forget this. I mean, I'm sure we could all sort of place ourselves back in the in the headspace that we were in when we realized how significant of a world event this uh, this COVID was. Um, I remember just casually browsing my emails on a Thursday evening, and we were notified by uh, the bar school that you know things were changing, that uh, things could happen quickly. And sure enough, they did. On the Saturday, that's when there were the first major series uh, of lockdowns and shutdowns in the province of Quebec, especially in Montreal. And um, the result was that the Ecole du Barreau had to close its doors, like every other school did as well in, in the region. And um, that basically cast all the students in Quebec, not only in bar school, into a, a bit of a black hole. We didn't know what was going to happen. And in all fairness to the academic institutions involved, they didn't know what was going to happen. But obviously, the goal on both sides was to, to come to some sort of a, a fair and equitable way of, of moving forward and um, ensuring that, you know, at least in the context of bar school, that we could still successfully complete the program, learn what we had to learn, and you know, go on to write the exam. But I will say that in any period of rapid transition and pivoting, this proved to be uh, no exception. Uh, you will have gaps that form, of course. And one way that I found to be really effective to overcome any kind of a gap that would arise in the situation was to form small student groups. And uh, that's exactly what I did. I worked with three other really great students uh, from my bar school class. And we met up virtually at least once or twice a week for the remainder of the, the bar school experience, which, by the way, was mostly a, a, a self-teaching experience, materials provided. And we would master in different parts of the material to educate our peers in this group. But we would also provide a forum for us to just share and exchange ideas and, you know, to, to vent because it was a very stressful time, you know, for academic reasons, but also, you know, with the world going through such a terrible event. And yeah, uh, that was really, really a great outcome because of that. I know that for, for me, I've never really been a study group person, but I, I really tried to do that right after we transitioned into COVID. But I think one thing that was really difficult was that I found that when I have friends back in BC and in Alberta, it was really hard to coordinate with those with those time zones. I mean, it's not something that I've ever had to do, but I'm I mean, I'm glad that it really worked out for you because I think that having that support system is really important to have, especially when you're when you're in a really stressful period. 
Over the years, law students often take part in a number of community events and community clinics to better engage with the individuals and families who are most in need within their communities. Becca, for example, worked in a clinic while she was a law student at the University of Ottawa. Becca, what was that clinic experience like when the pandemic hit during your winter semester? Yeah, so throughout the year I worked in the tenant division at the clinic at UOttawa. And it's a clinic that encompasses a variety of divisions. So like, for example, family, criminal, there's a women's division as well, and then tenant. So quite a variety. And there are about 10 caseworkers in our division alone. And what happened with us, I remember this very clearly being Friday the 13th, because Friday the 13th, of course, is when it would happen. So we were all, of course, on tenterhooks, wondering, would we be coming back into the clinic? What would be happening? Because everything was in flux with respect to school and whether things would be shutting down. And we were told that day that we would likely be coming back in and to keep watch on our email and see what would develop over the weekend. So we left thinking, okay, we'll be back in. We'll get to see our clients. We'll be able to, and we were in the midst of wrapping things up and finishing things off because it's the end of the school year. So you often do things like transition memos to prepare for incoming summer students. So all of that was also on the go. So we came in thinking, all right, we'll be back on Monday, business as usual. And then over the weekend, we got a message that we would not be able to come back into the clinic and to until further notice and to keep an eye out again to see what would happen. So of course, our WhatsApp group chat lit up because everyone was wondering what's going on, what should we be doing, what's going to be happening to our clients, and as well to the rest of the, the transfer memos that we were all preparing. And that was actually the last day that we were able to go into the clinic. We did some of our wrapping up remotely through preparing some of the transfer memos, but it was actually the lawyer who took on, I think it was about 50 files or so, just in the tenant division alone. And she actually took those on and then had to triage in terms of who she was going to interact with, what the next steps would be. So it was really quite a not an expected end, I would say, to to the clinic experience that was, you know, I really loved it there and didn't get to say bye to, to a lot of the clients that I worked with. I think I had a similar experience in, in one sense with my, with my clinic, Becca, but also a really different experience. I know you mentioned that for you, you kind of transitioned everything over pretty immediately to the supervising lawyer. For me, I worked at the family law clinic at Queens, which is one of our clinics. And for us, we kind of heard the whisperings of, you know, maybe we're going to get shut down because of COVID. Take all your files with you at home because you need to still be working on them. So for us, we were still kind of full steam ahead for the next three weeks and just working remotely and and trying to scan in things where we could because um, that clinic in specific is does a lot of the work through paper. Um, but I think the one the one really big challenge working remotely for three weeks for a clinic is that a lot of your clients are marginalized folks who don't have access to internet. So communicating them with them can be really difficult. Some people don't have cell phones, so you try to call their home phone, but then their home phone doesn't have a voicemail or the voicemail box is full. And so you're left with no means of communication. And then another aspect of it is, is also that we need files from them. 
So if they haven't filled out a form before COVID, there's not really a way to get it from them because we can't see them in person and then they don't have access to the internet. And even if they were able to go to the library to use the internet, I mean, they, they don't have libraries anymore that are available and open during COVID. So it was definitely an interesting experience trying to do all of that multitasking over the three weeks and trying to still communicate and keep in touch with my clients. So it's interesting to see how different schools had very different experiences in that sense. Yeah, it really is, Shiloh, I agree, to see the contrast between our experiences. And I think the one big commonality that stands out to me is that both that connection and being really difficult to reach out to clients using some of the things like that we take for granted, internet and phone, for example, is also a challenge that we face too, so... As law students move from winter exams into their workplace, a number of them encountered virtual summers for their summer internship experiences. Particular to this year, McCarthy Tetrol used a completely online virtual experience for its entire national summer student cohort. But to understand how this year is different, we're going to turn to John who was a summer student at McCarthy's last summer, where the experience was still in person. John, could you describe what your experience was like? Yeah, absolutely, Arsalan. So, you know, as you can imagine, and I don't think that this is specific to this firm or to law in general, I think this would apply in any situation where one has been a student for a long time, especially in a, in a more specialized field like studying law. Personally, I was in school for seven years, seven and a half years actually, and, you know, it's, it, it is a transition from the uh, classroom to the boardroom, if you will. And it, it's a very exciting transition. But, you know, there are obviously inherent challenges as you do that. And I think that's why it becomes so important to, to form, you know, really good informal bonds with your colleagues at different levels of the organization, because you're going to have questions. And not even specifically related to practice of law in our case, but in terms of like the processes and the systems and just how the organization operates. And for that reason, I found it to be extremely important at the beginning, you know, that I, I was able to form a lot of informal mentorship relationships and just good relationships in general with my peers. And we would mutually support one another. I would also add that, you know, when I joined last summer, because this is a type of environment where you're doing really meaningful work, you have to trust in your colleagues and when you're collaborating on different projects. And uh, to me, it obviously is easier to build trust in person, but I know that my colleagues can speak uh, well to the onboarding experience completely in a virtual environment and be really interesting to hear how organizations, including our firm, were able to mitigate a lot of these risks, overcome them, and actually leverage the virtual reality to, to create value and to augment summer experience in different ways. And this year, Becca, you're actually working from your home in an entirely virtual environment. That's very different. So how do you feel? Thanks for that, Arsalan. It really has been quite an interesting transition. And what I really noticed is that there's a large national focus. So how it all started was first day of work, of course, everyone is wondering, what do I wear? What does that look like in terms of the virtual space? Do I still wear a suit? So actually, right before we started, we got an email from McCarthy saying, okay, we're going to do a video, put on your first day finest. 
and record yourself passing around a book from one student to another. And they did this nationally. So Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, and then later Montreal students when they started all passed a book to one another. And then there was music and they made just a really fun kind of first day video of it so that we could showcase our first day finest, but in a national way to really connect us. And that theme really continued, I would say, throughout the summer. So for example, we then had national training where we all got to go together. And, you know, for example, we could see each other on Zoom as much as you, you can see everyone. You can't see, you know, 57 people all at the same time, but we got to see all of our colleagues from across the nation, which was really neat. And then that again continued on where we had national trivia nights where we actually got to ask each other questions and had teams with people from across McCarthy, Canada. And then as well, my pro bono project, for example, I got to work with someone in Calgary. So it's been really great. And I think it does mean something special to be part of the McCarthy class of 2020, where there's really that sense of national unity. Well, some critics have pointed out that mentorship ties can be really strained when you're working in a virtual environment. Do you agree with this criticism? And what was the mentorship like at McCarthy's? Yeah, so I can't really speak to how it's normally been. Uh, I mean, people obviously told me what it's been like in the past, but I've never experienced it since it's my first summer at the firm. But I'd love to talk about how it's changed. I think the student committee did a fantastic job this year being really innovative and to ensure that students are getting access to as many mentors as possible because we're obviously not in an environment where you can just walk to someone's office to ask a question. You're not walking by someone in the hallway every day and having these informal conversations. So uh, this summer we have this new structure called the Hive Mentorship Program. So basically every student has their own mentor and in, within each Hive you have three to four students with, as well as their mentors. And then you also have a partner who's the head of that, um, head of that Hive. So it really gives students within that hive the opportunity to have these connections with several lawyers and not just their own mentors. So it's been a really fantastic and innovative way to connect students kind of in a more formal setting to more, to more lawyers. I also think that moving aside from mentorship, kind of talking about, you know, walking by someone in the hallway, how we're not able to do that this summer. I think that students have also been really uh, proactive and like we've learned to really take initiative if we want to kind of gain an experience that we wouldn't normally get in a remote summer. So for example, I, I've heard in the past, obviously I haven't experienced it myself, that it's really easy to pop into a trial that's happening in a courthouse one day, or someone might say, I need someone to take notes. Do you want to come and sit in on my discovery if you walk by them? So we obviously don't have those opportunities now. So I, I find that students have really had to be proactive this summer and reach out to people in order to gain that experience to say, you know, do you have anything coming up soon that I could sit in on? Do you have enough bandwidth on your Zoom call? Like, will I be able to sit in on this phone call or this teleconference or, or what have you? So I think it's, it's obviously been a very different summer, but I think it's been a great way to grow, to, to gain those skills of being proactive and, and taking initiative. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to hear uh, what, what both both of you had to say about what onboarding was like in a completely virtual environment. I just think it goes to show that, you know, even even though there were inherent challenges uh, in so doing, I believe that organizations are able to to innovate and to, to find ways to, you know, leverage some of the advantages 
Becca, you mentioned a few interesting initiatives that we did at the uh, the national level, and I think that that's great. So I could say, you know, that it was it was less common, I would say, in previous years to have those kinds of interactions, which, which made sense. But I think going forward, that should be a new normal in, in, in a sense. And I think it's fantastic. The mere fact that we're having this podcast with students from across the country is evidence of some of the value add inherent in the new way of doing things. Thank you for that, John and Shailaja. It's definitely very interesting. You have students working with lawyers, not even in their own provinces, reaching out from coast to coast, working on pro bono projects across Canada. To me, this is really a new era of legal work and brings on a whole new perspective to what a national law firm means and the services that it can provide to Canadians. Now we're going to move on to our third segment and try to learn more about the students and their incoming fall semester. Across Canada, a number of schools have taken different approaches with how they're going to treat their curriculums. Some are opting for a completely online approach where students must take classes over Zoom or Google Slides, whereas other schools are opting for a more hybrid approach where small seminars or small sections of the incoming first-year class will be in person, while the majority of students take classes online. Now, these issues are contentious. So we went ahead and polled our McCarthy peers to better understand and see what they think. One student commented, my school's going online. This seems like a good plan for safety. I think it's the responsible approach to take in order to ensure students' well-being. For others, they were disgruntled by the online curriculum. I rely heavily, one notes, on study groups, which was difficult to cope with last March and will be even more difficult in the fall. Let's turn to our students, particularly Shailaja. What do you think about the online curriculum? Yeah, so I can talk a little bit about what I know that my school is doing this coming fall. So at Queen's, we're doing kind of like a hybrid model of some in-person classes and then a large majority of classes that are online. So for me, for example, I only have one in-person class, which is trial advocacy. I think the benefit of having this kind of hybrid model, what's great about it is that students that are in different provinces that may not want to come back to Kingston for the fall, they're actually not really limited in the courses that they can take. So our in-person classes are mostly still available to people who are not actually going to be in person. So it really still allows, you know, my friends in Vancouver and, and in Alberta to stay at home, but still have a wide course selection and they're not really limited with a couple of exceptions. So I think it's, it's great that we're still going to have some in-person classes obviously bearing in mind if the pandemic gets worse that they can be transitioned online i think it'll be different than in the in march because in march we were really just being reactive and we didn't really have an opportunity to plan what was going to be happening whereas now there's been time for planning professors have kind of seen okay this is what happened in march and maybe this worked or maybe this didn't so i think it'll be a lot better organized at least i hope it will be um but yeah i i mean i really love in-person classes i alluded to this before but i i really thrive on being able to engage in the classroom and have conversations not just with the professors, but with my fellow peers. And it allows me to engage better with the content in itself. 
So I struggled with having just the purely online model last semester. And again, I, I mentioned how some of the classes, we didn't really have that engagement. So I'm really hopeful that even the classes that I do have that are online will have more engagement allowed. But I think one thing that some students might struggle with is um, I'm one of the people that always has to study in a library. I can't study in my apartment at all. I don't have good furniture. That's, it's not ergonomic. I don't have great lighting. And so, and, you know, and other people have distractions like parents or partners or kids or pets. So I think that if you don't have a library or a coffee shop that's accessible to you, it, it can be really hard to be successful in school, whether that be trying to do your classes online or just trying to do your readings. So I think that's one thing that'll be really difficult. I'm not sure what my school will be doing in the fall, whether because we have kind of that semi-in-person component whether we'll have access to uh, like the building at all but something I'll find out in a couple of weeks. Thank you for those points. While I understand where you're coming from Stylija, some students on the other hand prefer online classes and online curriculums. For some students who may not enjoy talking class as much, the Zoom chat in Convo creates an opportunity to ask questions to a professor directly without feeling anxious about raising one's hand or speaking out of turn. For others, video conversation can feel like a more intimate experience as opposed to being in a large lecture hall. Perhaps we can turn the conversation to Becca, who is a former teacher before coming to law school. Becca, how do you think the online curriculums affect learning and pedagogy? Yeah, so being a former teacher and now being in the role of students, um, it's been really interesting to see what this transition has been like. And of course, I'm wondering what, you know, what I've seen in March, for example, where our professors had to very, in a very quick span of time, really turn things around, learn a whole new platform, and then try and create some sense of connection when we were all feeling quite worried and disconnected. So kind of traveling back to that time in my mind, one of the things that I really noticed personally, as someone who does tend to prefer smaller group chats and seminars, I really did feel, echoing what Arslan had said, that I felt more comfortable speaking up and raising my hand in that kind of space. So I think for some students, that can definitely be a benefit at the same time, I did feel that I missed that real connection of seeing my friends in the seat beside me where I could talk to them and being able to maybe go up to the professor after class and speak with them. So I really felt kind of, I'd say kind of in the middle between what each of the points that you're saying. On the one hand, I really did feel more comfortable and did find the conversations more intimate. But on the other hand, really feeling that sense of missing being in the actual physical space. And then as well, personally, some kind of funny things that would happen to me during class. So I have two cats and they are still getting to know each other. Um, got one actually just in February. So about a month before the pandemic, really. And as cat lovers might know, um, it can take cats up to, you know, a year or so to really get to know each other. They're finicky little critters. And so sometimes I would have to mute my, my uh, I would be asking a question and then would have to mute myself really quickly because there would be cats growling in the background. No cats were harmed. Don't worry, they're fine. But so just some really silly things that kind of happened that I would not have anticipated in the virtual space. So I'm curious, Shailaja, what do you think about this? 
I mean, to be honest, the one thing that I'll say that I love about online learning is seeing everybody's pets. So I would love to hear a good cat growl in the background or to see some, some cats, you know, go at each other. I mean, and I'm not here for cat fighting, but I love when people bring their pets onto the Zoom call. So that's one thing that I, I do appreciate. But Becca, you mentioned that you miss like being in the physical class with your classmates and your peers. And, and I mean, I, I already kind of talked about my opinion on this and, and how I miss that. But I also find that for people who don't have dual screens, for example, when you're doing an online class, I, I found that on my laptop, it was so hard to kind of concentrate on everything that was going on for me because I would be trying to watch the Zoom call to see who's talking, whether it be the professor or one of my peers. But then I also have like my notes pulled up and I'm trying to type furiously. So I found it so hard to, to be engaged in that sense. Like even though I understand it might be easier to, to bring up more questions to the chat feature. I found like I get distracted very easily, as you might have noticed by my talking about how I love to watch people's pets on screen. But I did find it to be a big distraction having all these different windows open on my one computer and then, you know, an iMessage pops up or an email pops up. So I think that's one thing that I really miss about having in-person classes. I am a big handwriter. I know it's really old fashioned, but I love being able to handwrite in certain classes, especially as long as the professor doesn't talk too quickly. So that's one thing that I really kind of miss out on when I do have my online classes. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see in the fall. I actually ended up breaking down and bought a second monitor for exactly that reason, because after a while, it was just too much to track. Um, and now with, at least with UOttawa, because you spoke to Queens having the hybrid model. So UOttawa will actually be going to fully online for the fall. So I'm guessing there'll be, I'm sure, an uptick in people going out to Best Buy or wherever to get their 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 equipment and maybe some ergonomic chairs. <laughs> um, so that will be happening at least for U Ottawa in the fall as well, where we'll be fully online, including, I believe, even things like trial advocacy, where so that'll be interesting to see how they pivot to moving that into an online space. And then with the winter, what it's looking like is that there'll be the option to possibly do in person, depending on what is going on in the world at that time, of course. But there's the guarantee that people will be able to continue through the winter and the online platform so that, for example, you don't have to get a lease partway through the year if you have been staying in a different city. So all of those considerations will be interesting to see as we transition to the, the new academic year. I suppose the hardest hit students will be our beloved 1L students or incoming first year law students. A number of you are going to be acting as mentors or orientation leaders to them. What are they saying? Yeah, so I am a tutor at Queen's and I, I planned orientation last year. I have no idea what they're going to be doing this year for an online orientation. That's definitely, uh, that's definitely a big challenge and I'm excited to see what the orientation planner does for this year. Um, but I think it, it's definitely going to be such a challenge. I think law schools are really it's an exciting but very challenging transition and you really heavily rely on the, the friendships that you make in those first couple of weeks, first couple of months, because, you know, you need to rely on people to just help you through it, whether it be like emotionally or if you're, if you want to bounce ideas off each other, if you don't understand something. And so I, I think it'll be really difficult, especially for students that are doing it remotely to do that. It's a tough 
position to be in starting your legal career remotely. But, you know, I think that people are really resilient and will figure out ways to make sure that 1Ls are getting the attention and the connections that they need. Um, I think it'll, it'll just be a matter of, you know, really learning to utilize the online space to, to make connections with your, with your fellow students. I mean, it's challenging and I don't, I don't envy the position that they're in, but I mean, I'm sure people will make the best out of it, even though it will be a big challenge. Just adding on to that, I'm on the executive group of a club at the school that does mentoring. And so we pair not just one L's, but one, two, and three L's with mentors, both lawyers and other students. And one of the things that we've been really looking at is how to pivot mentorship into the online space, especially for incoming one L's, where for me, coming into one L, it was daunting. There was a lot to learn. I would look at a case and, and not really know how to read it in the same way. So it was a big, big learning curve and mentors really helped me through that. So one of the things that were really what we've been discussing amongst the, the group is how mentorship is going to be really key in terms of helping those 1Ls come in and transition to the online space. And echoing what Shiloh just said, seeing how resilient everyone is and how supportive they are really shows the sense of community that's emerged as a result of this unfortunate and awful pandemic. Shailaja, do you perhaps have any advice for incoming first-year law students? Yeah, I do. So I kind of mentioned that there will be orientation, I'm sure, at every school. It'll most likely be online. And orientation is just a great way to get to know some of your fellow 1L students, but also to get to know upper-year students. So I think that, you know, even if it's online and you can't you can't go out and socialize with people in person, you can't go and have drinks or coffee with people, 1Ls, you really need to take advantage of that time to get to know as many people as you can to try to build some of those relationships because, I mean, everybody's in the same boat as you. So, you know, you need to really capitalize on the resources available to you. Uh, get to know your fellow 1L students, especially early on. Like, don't worry too much about your readings that very first week. Really use that time to get to know people. And also make sure you're utilizing your upper year students. As Becca mentioned, it's so important to have mentors that can kind of can kind of tell you, like, these are the things that these are the things that I did that might be helpful to you, or these are some of the things that I know other people have done and give you some ideas. I think that upper years are really, really helpful for helping you transition into law school. So I think it's really important to get to know them as well and to reach out to them when you need help. And I think also just a separate point might be like setting a schedule for yourself. I know that that was some of the advice that we were given when we started transitioning into our um, in our into our summer student programs here at the firm. Um, and I think it's like a good way to kind of set yourself up for success, like because you, you don't have that same schedule of going into school, going to the gym, uh, socializing with your friends. I think you have to try to mimic that as much as you can in this new online reality. Thank you for that, Shailaja. As we come to the end of the podcast, it seems as though many of the answers relate to an overwhelming message of resilience and flexibility. We look forward to learning how this pandemic affects the skill sets and ambitions of these future lawyers. Thank you for joining us today.